This is Twa Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph. The only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. This week is Dundee Talk, new campy again. Will it be Disneyland or Disney Work? United Eye Europe. And watch out Wales, Scotland are still in this. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Twa Teams One Street. The start is slightly different this week because I'm doing it again. Because we broke it. And for some reason, we've lost the first few seconds. So, this week, as usual, I'm joined podcasting by George Cran and Graham Finnan, but they can't say hello yet because they already did. But we'll get right into this week's edition, uh, and we're starting with Dundee, and on my way into the wonderful Meadowside Towers, uh, I noticed a Tilly Bill saying that John Nelms of Dundee was uh, denying that the club were about to move into crisis mode. And while I don't always agree with Mr Nelms, on this occasion, I think I do. Because having been in this city for a long, long time, when you talk crisis in Dundee, what springs to mind is the mid-90s when uh, the then Vice Chairman Malcolm Reid said to me, if Dundee hadn't won the 95 League Cup semi-final against Airdrie, he was going to lock the doors at Dens and put the keys through the letterbox. That's how skint they were. And then, of course, even worse, 2003 administration and 2010 administration. Uh, 2010, of course, there was a 25-point deduction that almost put the club down into the third tier of Scottish football. And in 2003, even worse, when they went into gazillions of debt. So really, while there are legitimate criticisms of uh, the Dundee owners just now, I think crisis is maybe a bit strong, certainly for me uh, and for the reasons I've just said. And also, this is the longest period of stability financially that the business that is Dundee Football mm. Club have uh, enjoyed. It's almost 10 years now since Tim Keyes had the Keyes family money uh, bought over Dundee. So while there's a lot of things we can be critical of, there's a lot of things we can be unhappy about, there needs to be a bit of perspective. Yeah, well, that's what he points to in terms of not in crisis mode because they are stable behind the scenes. But he also pointed out in the interview, the big long interview we had with him at the start of the week that <coughs> fans don't take much notice of what's happening off the pitch they only really care about what's happening on the pitch really I mean the two go hand in hand obviously but that's obviously things are, are bad at the moment but in terms of crisis I, I would say it's probably a crisis of identity I think there's definitely a, a disconnect between the fans and the owners and they really need to build some bridges speaking to Nelmsy as as he always is when you finally get hold of him he does talk endlessly and <laughs> it feels like he's, he's given good answers at the time you read them back afterwards and they're fairly vague and not really answering the, the question that you put to them and that's been the case with the, uh, this open letter that fans sent and his replies and their replies he's kind of avoided the most important thing to me which is the AGM or the Q&A is they're actually talking to fans um, 
she seems extremely reluctant to do it other than he points out he speaks to the DSA every week, which is fair enough, but not every single Dundee fan is in the DSA. So um, they just need to find a way of getting the info out to tell people what's going on. The big, big problem they've had under John Nelms is his choice of managers has not gone well, I don't think. At all. Um, that was very, that was very accurately, <laughs> yeah. very, very diplomatically put. Yeah. Um, obviously, the high point when Paul Hartley was in charge, got them in the top six, team was going really well. Since then, it's been pretty much downhill. Um, <clears throat> James Pick kind of arrested that with promotion last season, but then Mark McGee comes in and it's all kicked off because of the way that they changed manager in just after the transfer window. The timing of it, the manner in which it happened, Dundee just won two games. They only lost one in six or something like that. And it just it seemed to shock everyone involved with the club and all the, the wee problems that had been maybe tucked away, fans weren't happy with the state dense part, what's happening with the new stadium, the, the lack of communication and stuff from the top, all that stuff kind of gets forgotten about on the whole when stuff's going well in the park, but it comes back with a vengeance when things things aren't good in the park, and it it's it's not only because the, te- the team's going badly, but they are kind of linked as well. If you know what I mean. Yeah, Beard. Did George hit the nail on the head right at the start there when he said the vast majority of like fans me. are? Um, I know. I, I, <laughs> I left you to say that, John. I'm only kidding. <laughs> vast majority of fans. It's results that matter, and the one the one thing that the um, Keys Nelms partnership. Uh, one's provided most of the money, the other one's run it day to day. But the one thing they haven't got right in what's almost a decade now is on the park. And they did actually set out a plan on the park to establish Dundee as a permanent fixture in the top flight. Mm-hmm. They haven't done that yet. And but and that lead is that what leads to all the all the angst really. You you said last week, I think it was. Results paper over cracks. Yeah, I mean, put it this way, I think if Dundee are sitting in the top six and pushing strongly in the top six and maybe even pushing for a European spot, I don't think we see any of the, the, the furor that's going on, to be perfectly honest. Um, I mean, I've got a group of friends that we're of an age now that, you know, you nailed it right at the start. We've, we've seen crisis, real crisis yeah. at Dens over, over a long-term period, so we don't really class this as a, a crisis as such um, and to be honest we're, we're all season ticket holders and George you mentioned that the fans groups and things like that and fans up in arms no one has asked us a question at all hmm. as a season ticket holder and I'm, I'm sure there are quite a few others in that very same, same boat um, but you can understand where where the fans are, are actually coming from you know was this, was this the right time to you know, to, to put out that they're, they're still considering building a new stadium. Mm. Was it was this the time to bring this back up again, regurgitate something that has seemed to stall incredibly? And after after two years of a pandemic, then suddenly put it on the table once more. Um, and then to compound it all, set a, a target of, of 2024. And incredibly, you've got to say, ambitious target to have that stadium up mm. and running 
in Dundee FC in that stadium. Still, as of last week, they still hadn't applied for yeah, planning permission. I mean, we're, we're not builders, but we do have a, a, a basic idea how planning works. And one thing that certainly doesn't work is quickly. <laughs> you know, uh, so to get all these, you know, all these ducks mm. in line and to have a stadium up and, and running by that point in time was incredibly ambitious. And I've got to say, probably incredibly unrealistic, I've got to say. Mm, yeah. And I think John... John Nelms makes a rod for his own back by doing things like that because you can bet your bottom dollar 2024 will be here in no time and people will start pointing the finger once again of Dundee are still playing at Dens Park. What I do say is this, you look at Dens and it looks incredibly tired. It does. Yeah. It looks incredibly tired. Even the pitch, I've got to say, is now looking yeah, worse for, for wear. Yeah. Um, why that is, I'm not so sure because even in, even in times when, when the stadium hasn't been that great, the surface at Dens has been one of the best in Scotland, but I'm looking at it now and I don't know if it's lack of investment or there is a serious problem with undersoil heating or whatever, but it looks it looks really bare and not it's not a pitch that looks good enough for the top flight, hmm. for top flight football in Scotland. Um, you know, where they go, I, I'm not so sure. You know, I think I think. Hopefully they can get themselves out of the mire or in it at the bottom of the table, and then we can look ahead, you know, um, and see um, if, if we can move on on other things in, in terms of the, the stadium. But Tom, they look a million miles away, and I'm not sure why it's it's all been brought up. Is it, is it to deflect the fact that the team's doing doing so poorly at the moment? It's not the it's not the sort of thing that they should be doing at this point yeah. in time. I don't think it's to deflect because I don't think John no. John Nelms really. We've seen. It's kind of lack of understanding of the PR and, and how things looked at other people. I don't think that even came into the thinking. I think it was just, we're, we're, we're going with it. We're, we're yeah, moving I mean, forward. To be honest, I was talking with mates the other day about this and, and, and they were of the opinion, I mean, if you wanted to make some sort of statement about the situation just now, come out and say, on reflection, we got up, we got up thanks to a great late season run and a fantastic performance in the playoffs and so they deserved it but they weren't ready and over the summer they weren't able uh, as it looks just now unless there's a huge turnaround they weren't able to make the improvement to get up to Premier League's league standard mm. that was needed hold up your hands and say that and say we'll learn from that but long term things are still good but I, I, I couldn't understand why the you opened this can of worms about the stadium again because, and I think what, what they maybe forget is we're not sitting here saying the stadium won't happen by 2024, if ever, because we want them to fail. Hmm. I would love to see that stadium at Camperdown, but if you've not if you've not got planning permission, if you've not sorted out what might be issues because it's next to a trunk road, why why bother bringing that up just now? Do you mean deal with? I mean, and with the whole stadium thing, I think right from the start, five years ago, and why did it take five? Why after five years, as John Nelson, it's time to get this off the ground? Well, what we've been doing for five years, who knows? Why not? I said at the start, this is a long-term plan, but it's a long-term plan. Look at Aberdeen. I, 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 for family reasons, I drive that. I, I don't see past where Aberdeen's new stadium was meant to be. Never once saw any sign of any building or anything like that. But they had always said, this is a long, long-term plan. And put it mm. 
mm. in the background. I, I don't understand why they brought that to the fore just now when they're so just the the, the state of the world just now makes it impossible to say when you're going to start things. I mean, I, I know joiners that kind of get jobs finished in people's backs gardens because half the materials haven't turned up on time. Mm. So just logistical things like that. So I, I don't really get but And then it ends up that they create, to me, they create this situation where they're defending their situation and they're getting criticised and it's legitimate criticism, but they've brought a lot of it on their yeah. own backs when they could actually just turn around and say, by the way, folks, you've got a club because of us and nobody can argue with that. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, when you see the plans, they are ambitious, but you can see where the money is going to be made. The retail part, the hotel, yeah. the, the crematorium, yeah. the housing scheme, you know, but it's a lot of things to get in place first. And you can see why investors would want to be part of that as well. Hmm. You know, and it all, it all looks very, very good and there is money to be made, but it's just the whole the scale of the project is massive. And to have that over a line in 24 mi- four months is, is just, you know, you're living in a diff- on a different planet. I've also got to say, and this may, this may pain a few of my Dundee f- supporting friends, I still believe if you are going to build a brand new state-of-the-art stadium in Dundee, it has to be for both clubs. I would suggest that, that, makes that sense they to get me. Dundee United yeah. on board. Now, if they got Dundee United on board with this, and that's, that's another sort of difficult discussion that we'd have to take mm. place with the fans and with but if you manage to get Dundee United on board then pushing ahead with planning might become a whole lot easier the fact that you're taking the stadium out of the you know a congested you know central area in, in the city yeah and then you know moving all the traffic that gets brought in for on a weekly basis and moving them up to Camperdown Park and of course as, as well as doing that you also get a stadium and facilities that are used every single week of the year and investors would like that, the footfall that goes through that, mm. that comes with that, you know. Um, I'm glad you said that, Bear, because throughout all our working yeah. life together, everybody liked you and hated yeah. me. <laughs> I know. Well, but thing, now you're public enemy number well, one. You know the thing about that, um, <laughs> but the, first, the first thing that people will say is amalgamation. And I can understand yeah. that when the two teams are playing at exactly, but it doesn't have to be like, look at, look at it, that look how it works in it, yeah. exactly. So I have I've been a couple of I've seen Genoa play in Genoa and Sampdoria play at the same stadium. Luigi Ferrari where Scotland once lost to Costa Rica a long time ago. Basically, the the, the main stands, the main stand opposite the main stands, a shared facility. But Sampdoria have one end of the ground, yeah. mm-hmm. and Genoa have the other yeah. end of the ground. And if you go to if you go to whatever gate, whatever team's playing there. Their end of the ground's fuller than the opposite end of the ground, and nobody thinks a thing yeah. about it. Mm. And and it's it, it it's a paranoia that right. isn't based in reality. Well, I mean, and I, I still say, I mean, obviously, Dens is looking particularly tired at this point in time. Yeah, it is. But, but it's not look, been upkept. No, either, but so. you look at Tandice, I think Tandice is is a, a, a great stadium for watching football because the stands are so close to the, mm. you know, to the pitch. You know, arrivals. Tynecastle to a point, you know, I enjoy watching games at Tynecastle as well because of that very fact. You feel as if you're right on top of the on mm-hmm. top of the teams when you're watching them. But there is no doubt in that it's a dated stadium as well. Even yeah. the likes of you, look at McDermott Park. McDermott Park has been built in a rear and it was a modern stadium. Even that is now beginning to yeah. look old. You know, so if I could get a stadium in Dundee 
which is for the 21st century mm-hmm. and make it for both clubs uh, and uh, something the city, as, as John Nelm just said, a jewel in the crown for the city. Then if it's for the city, then surely both clubs can get, get their heads together and could use it together. And I think that would alleviate a lot, of the, not a lot of the problems, but it would help pushing forward the planning. It would give more weight to, you know, getting the planning over the line for certain things. But there's, there's, a, there's a lot of water to flow under the buzz before we get anywhere near that. And again, maybe you're, to, to back up your point, Bear, a wee bit of PR advice, which seems ridiculous given that the, the two clubs are owned by Americans and they're meant to be the masters <laughs> of that thing. If Tim Keyes and Mark Ogren are sitting at a press conference in Dundee and they say, we're going for a joint stadium and we promise you there will never be amalgamation. All they'll get is cheers from the majority of fans. I'm sure of that. Yeah. Because if the men at the very top pledge it, it would work. But apparently, after this international break and having dealt with all that, and maybe that, maybe that's the crux of this, it's the international break, there was nothing else to speak about. <laughs> so Dundee should have stayed silent maybe, rather than yeah. putting that video out. But everybody then, oh, it's at last something to speak about. But apparently there's games again this weekend, George. <laughs> Unfortunately, so yeah. Not at all. <laughs> no, I'm very much looking forward to getting back to watching football and talking about football uh, after a very, very busy week of writing about letters and speaking to John Nelms for far too long. Um, it is only once a year, George. <laughs> no. But or, he tells or in my case, <laughs> once a decade. You have to cover, try, try and cover everything in that one interview, but yeah. hopefully going forward they might take some notes of, of the... The problems fans have, have brought up, although I, there's a stubbornness to them that I don't think so, other things will change. But in terms of the games, I think Dundee, all things being equal, I, I would say Dundee have a, a good chance against Aberdeen on Saturday. Just look at the league table. If you want to play any team, you want to play the teams that are at the bottom of the table with you. Aberdeen are in 10th, even though they're only four points off fourth. Um, they've not really quite got going under Jim Goodwin obviously won the last game but Dundee beat them the last time as well yeah and Baird there's more pressure on Dundee obviously because they're bottom of the table four points in the rift but you tend to think Aberdeen another defeat and that's their top six chance gone so they're under pressure and I I know for a fact obviously we we do that you know our sister papers up in Aberdeen Evening Express and the Press in general and they they accept they need six points from their, their final two games if they're going to going to get into the top six and they expect to be in the top six and the pressure's on Jim Goodwin to get them in the top six. I think he's realistic enough to know that that might not happen because there's no there's no givens in in the, the, the top flight in Scottish football. And you look at Aberdeen, that their away form is woeful term. So we're hoping mm. from a Dundee perspective that that continues this week at Dens Park. Um, they really struggle on the road. They are a team that's blown hot and cold all season. We saw that with Stephen Glass. You know, there were, there were times when uh, uh, he looked under serious pressure and then they'd string a few results together, but not enough. And then the old, the old uh, problems would come back to haunt them. But from a Dundee perspective, Dundee need to get a win on the board. They need a win, you know, to get themselves closer to St Johnston, hopefully. But they also need a win for the new management uh, team who are in place. They need a win for Mark McGee, and they need a win, um, you know, to just just to lift the club, lift the club because they've got two games to do it. They've got this one and the Derby, and if they don't get that, I would suggest, even though they're they're within maybe the, the points, will suggest they could still catch St Johnson, but if they don't get a win, I would think 
you know, trying to claw anything back in the last five mm. games is going to be nigh on impossible. Well, that's that then. <laughs> we've, we've solved the problems in the world. Really? Well, why don't they just come and speak to us? It's simple. I don't think we've solved anything, have we? Correct. <laughs> so we'll swiftly move on over the road after this. Right, Dode, back to you again. Oh, no. You're, you're our every man, or our every team man this week. While uh, talk at Dens Park is about uh, whether or not they've got a stadium, United are going to have a full one if we leap forward a weekend to the derby. Well, fans will already be looking forward to it, I would imagine. If, uh, they've got to see it as a chance to really stick the knife into Dundee, don't they? I think that's... Yeah, see, that's derby that's football. Yeah, um, and they could already have sealed top six by that point. If if they win on Saturday, that's that's pretty much it uh, for United getting in into the, the top half of the table, and then they can go into that derby game with absolutely no pressure on them whatsoever. Uh, it could be could be a good one. For I the United it's, fans, it's, I it's one of those, isn't it? It's, if you look at the two teams going into that derby, it, it, it could be best case, and and, and we're we're taking a lot of things as givens, perhaps, but it could be best case uh, scenario for United and worst case for Dundee eh, Bear, because if United can secure uh, a top six place at Hibs this weekend they are flying into the derby yeah and that's why they've sold all their tickets <laughs> yeah so. I mean and I, I, I mean I don't uh, you know accept that there's no pressure for United there's always pressure certainly in a derby match yeah. you know, their fans will, will I've be, always thought they used to say that about cup finals yeah. you're the underdog anybody go and ask anyone to do Absolutely. their job in front of 50 odd thousand fans <laughs> there's pressure yeah I mean if Dundee, if United were in the top six and they could do it this weekend, you know, but if Dundee were to beat them in the derby, Tom Coates would still be getting in the neck as he walks down yeah. the touchline at Tardis. United fans will be cheering him off the book part because they're in the top six. But it's great to see it's a sellout. It's the only game that sells out on mm. a regular basis. I mean, Dundee fans will sell their tickets. I know there's, there's, there are some issues with Dundee fans not going to Tardis, but I think Dundee get about 3,000 tickets. And, you know, we have to, I mean, I get them through... Rabbi D Dark Blues as a member of them and also as a season ticket holder you have to be affiliated to, to get a ticket mm. and we had to put our names down to make sure we got one so I'm, I'm assuming that it will be a sell again and that'll, that'll, that'll make it a fantastic atmosphere yeah I'm looking uh, forward as it, as it always so, are I'm, I'm going back to the start of the season it, it doesn't seem that long ago since we were there on that sunny day sunny day at Tardis it was mm. a, a brilliant occasion and I can see the game I can see from a Dundee perspective Lee Griffiths putting one over the bar and <laughs> Somebody, Ryan Edwards, I think it was, clearing one off the line and that dirty scoundrel Ian Harks lashing one in from 20 <laughs> yards with 10 minutes to go. and uh, Just when it was headed pain, for a dull nil-nil draw. The yeah. pain of it all. He spoiled um, it all for us. But no, there are, there are great occasions and a full house makes it at Tardis and Saturday at 3 o'clock, which is exceptionally unusual, I've got to say, for a derby match. I think you, know, you were talking about it. Somebody said, when was the last derby on a Saturday at 3 o'clock? Damn, the Scottish Cup semi-final at Tynecastle was a three o'clock kick-off, I remember. <laughs> That's going to be about 1987. I'm sure there's been a I few think, more. I think, I think you'll find it was a two o'clock kick-off because there was yeah, a rugby match on. Ah, you're right. Disgrace. You're right. Well, they should have changed. It's yeah. even further back. That was the days well, when you could, do, you could have a, a Scottish Cup semi-final at Tynecastle with 20,000 fans or 15,000 yeah. fans and 60,000 fans just across the railway tracks at Motherwell. Same end of the city. Yeah. Now you can't have two junior games in the same <laughs> no, side at the time. No, no, it's, it's 
life has moved on. Um, but it's still, it's going to be a, a big occasion and one that, you know, we're thoroughly looking forward to. Yeah. As, as long you? as you win. As well, long yeah, as you I was going to say that. As long as you win. If you lose yeah. your derby match and basically you just you just go home, close the curtain, switch the lights <laughs> off and, and keep low for the next sort of two or three days. I want to see some goals this time though because obviously talking about Ian Hark's goal but the last one was 0-0. It's a 1-0. It's, it's yeah. not been epics. Actually, so I want to see that. Bizarrely, even the, even the first derby, which was great for United fans because seeing the Hearts scored, it sort of petered out in the last 20 minutes and the goal came out of nowhere, which, did, as I say, yeah. United fans yeah. would be delighted and, and, and the second one looped nil-nil long before the end, so you'd like to see that, but is it, I don't know if it's part of getting old because all that mattered when I was a kid was, like, oh, was the result, but it's actually... As unfortunate as Dundee's situation is, as good as United's situation might be, it's good that, that there's an extra spice to this derby, isn't there? Is there? <laughs> it depends, <laughs> depends where you're looking at it from. No, no, there is. Of course there is. Um, but all lads, all lads, and, and, you know what? It, it makes football, football's got to be competitive. You've got to have a competitive edge. If, you don't go, if you've not got competition, then football's not worth watching, I've got to say. You know, I think I think it's Australian leagues that there's no relegation. But I mean, you just you, nah. you can't have that, you know. So yeah, I mean, United fans will be hoping, hoping like George says, they can they can twist the knife into Dundee. But Dundee fans will be going there. Who knows? Hopefully, on the back of a, a win against Aberdeen, and maybe with a prospect. I mean, I think St Johnston play Celtic after they've got Livingston this week. But mm. I think they're, they're away to Celtic, so the prospect that maybe overhauling St Johnston. Or closing them mm. down, and then from a position, I'm, I'm being out or hopeful here from a position of being looting cast adrift, they can then suddenly be off the bottom yeah. against it. So that would that would even, you know, make it make it more sort of interesting. But uh, from a United point of view as well, obviously they can, if they don't secure top six on Saturday, this would be the game where they'd be looking to do that. Taking yeah. away being a derby, you're playing against the team that's bottom of the league and struggled all season. It's one. It's exactly the type of fixture. You, you would want aside yeah, from it being a derby United, look at the table and they're going for Europe as well yeah. and they genuinely genuinely are going for Europe and yeah. it's a race now we're on the mm. we're on the final straight and it's a it's a sprint to those European and any points you can pick up along the way you, you, you're leaving teams in your wake it's amazing how quickly teams get left behind you think everybody's everybody a few weeks ago everybody was one point separating so many teams wait and see over the next two weeks before a split yeah those teams will stretch out the, the, the teams that United are vying with for, for you know top six and the European spot that race will begin to stretch so, and United are certainly you know they're, they're in the box seat at the moment yeah it's, I mean, there's pressure on United but it's a good pressure and it's, I mean, it's just occurred to me as we're speaking about I mean the fans uh, I think they'll win at Hibs on Saturday so I'm saying the fans United fans will go into the derby want to stick two fingers up to Dundee and really put them in their places they see it and some of the younger players might be but I'm sure Tom Coates and certainly the more experienced players if they win at Hibs on Saturday they're looking they, their focus is this is the next game it's it's almost in some ways it's irrelevant to them that it'll be a derby because it's mm. three points three points is what they'll be thinking another thing is how quick two weeks ago we were talking we were quite depressed when we were talking about United because it was too many draws and Maybe a wee message to the people over the road just to stay calm, because how quickly things can yeah. change. Because the United fans are on a high just now, because quite rightly so. Because suddenly, 
they're thinking, and as long as they get something on Saturday, they're thinking Europe now. They're not just thinking mm -hmm. top six, and it's they're in a in buoyant mood, and rightly so. It's it's amazing that it's just one goal that's changed that really scoring that that winner at, in Paisley. Obviously, they played really well in that second half and deserved it, but they've totally turned the mood around in the camp you can see the celebrations and stuff and then obviously that going into an international break is probably the perfect time for that because you get to enjoy that for a couple of weeks um, and you'd think well speaking to Lee Wilkie for his column this week he, he was talking about obviously his experiences as a player he, he said that in tra training would be great over the last couple of weeks because the players would still be on a high they'd yeah. still be well up for the intensity would be really high and you can use that going into the, the games to come and I agree with that. I've not been overly impressed with Hibs uh, over the past wee while. We talked about Martin Boyle last week and, and kind of how they missed him. But sort of keep the ball going over. Ah, exactly. So and United, they've got their defensive kind of solidity back, um, and they'll be quite happy to just like Dundee did the other week, just stand and watch Hibs pass the ball about and then try to get off them when they can and, and make things happen. It's good to get Mark McNulty. <coughs> Amongst the goals, need to see Tony Watt do the same. They've got the the talents there for United to to go and take that top four, never mind top six. Uh, they've given themselves a great opportunity. Again, George, George is hitting those nails on those heads today. It occurs to me, United fans should remember if there is a hiccup along the way, and there's always a hiccup along the way at some point. My reason for optimism about United and Tam Courts are like the likes of the second half against St Mirren hmm. in the last game earlier in the season their performances against Rangers and Celtic then he, he still needs to add a bit of consistency but they're hitting a level when they're playing well that is a very good level and that's got to be encouraging hasn't it yep and I, I've seen him this week backing his players which is it's clever clever play by him because you know although, although McNulty and Watt haven't been firing all cylinders that are that are genuinely, you know, quality players. Mm -hmm. And if you can get them, all, all it's required is a few more goals from each of them. Um, and if you can get them doing that, then you think they're going to uh, take a bit of stop in, in terms of that fourth spot. Um, but yeah, the team, the team, the team's going well. A huge lift. We said that going to St. Martin, then they needed a win. Just, just a lift, as Dundee do. Um, across the road but United needed a win as well because they're going through a wee period where they had a couple of defeats a couple of draws but you've got to get wins in football it's a bit stale doesn't yeah, it yeah you've got to get wins to put the smile back on the fans faces and they did it at, yeah. at Paisley and the, and the manner in which they did it as well you know you have to emphasise that the last minute the last kick of the ball right in front of their own fans that, that gave United a huge huge lift you know and, and the, the, the club needed that and you can, you're talking about the fans as well, Tom. The fans are, are backing United in big numbers at this point in time. Yeah. There seems to be that that's only going to swell over the next few weeks. They've got a big support going to Easter Road on Saturday, backing them. They're going to have a full house at the Derby, and they take a couple of wins in the, in the final mm. six, the final five games. You know, it benefits the team going forward because they've got a support. <laughs> let's let's not be daft. It also benefits the club because of the revenue they're going to be <laughs> dragging in through the gate and ticket revenue and things like that. So. Yeah, United are in a, in a good place just now, but we've all seen fine margins at this point in time, but they're going well. Mm -hmm. Another reason for optimism, um, the, the league table that George very kindly prints out for us every week before we do the podcast, I'm looking at it just now, and they say the league table doesn't lie, and 
sometimes it can be a short-term thing, but I look at that league table, United are in fourth, above them are Hearts, Rangers and Celtic, and I would say Hearts, Rangers and Celtic are better than United. Too many names for me to list below them, but I would say everybody below them isn't as good as United. So I don't want to put pressure on Tam Coates here, but United are probably in the right place just now, and it's up to them to keep it. And if they mm -hmm. do keep it, they're in Europe. Well, they obviously started the season off very, very well and tailed off in the middle. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that in terms of comparing them to the other sides. <laughs> We've already talked about Hibs. Livy struggled really badly at the start and have come, come good. Ross County exactly the same. Millwall started well, but they're not. I think we all kind of, anyone keeping an eye on that, SPFL knew they were picking up results where they, they weren't especially playing very well. So <coughs> United are better than them. And Aberdeen have been really poor all season. The bottom two have been awful at, at times this season. So yeah, I, I would say United. <coughs> there we go. I, I went and listed all the teams that you didn't want to list. But yes. I think... Um, That's because me. you're better at reading. <laughs> but no, the, the league table doesn't lie. After 31 games, United are fourth and looking good for the top six I would say though that if somehow they throw this away then the the teams sitting in 7th, 8th, ninth, and 10th after the split this season's over sadly so that you want to avoid that you don't want five dead rubbers at the end of your season you've been watching Dundee too long George you're like <laughs> Dundee would love like, five oh, dead rubbers what's going to go wrong yeah. next I think Dundee would love five rubbers at the end of the season but uh well, not for their bottom, obviously, but yeah, because it's so close and there's such a gap to the teams that are actually in relegation trouble, uh, you, you just don't want to be seventh or below. Yeah, but let's be upbeat about it. It's, it's, I don't think, I, I think I, United will be fine, yeah. I think, I genuinely believe in them. This, remember when I used to do predictions and teams? Remember Gary McGuinness when he moved to St. Johnson phoned me one day and said, the boys in the dressing room said, could you tip against us? Because <laughs> <laughs> every time you tip us to win, we'll lose. But I, 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 I look at the Hibs uh, and Dundee and I see four points for United minimum. Yeah, well... And just the depression you bear, I think the only place they're going to draw is Easter Road. Yeah, well, on form, you, you, would, have to, you would have to agree with that. Um, but... You know, it's, it's it's so incredibly tight. What I, what I think, just looking at the table, United on 39 points, I think given their, you know, their, their goal difference as well, as tight with a few of the teams, I think we only need another point for, for, for top it, six. It could be it enough, could, yeah. that, that could well be enough. Getting to 40 points could well keep them up there. Um, so, but as we say, you've got to be greedy. You've got to be greedy and say, mm -hmm. we've got two games coming up. If I can pick up, as Tom says, four points, I'll give my hell of a shout going into the, into the final final run five games, you know, pushing for that European European spot. And as for the dead rubbers at the bottom, that's the last thing Dundee need. If you're at the bottom of the league, the last thing you need is three teams yeah, that have that have, gonna happen, that so. have already packed their bags for their summer holidays, mm. you know. Because if Dundee are chasing St Johnston, the teams that are playing St Johnston, Dundee will need them mm. putting a shift in. Um, so we'll see. But uh, you're right; they're in a good place at this point in time. But sadly, every silver lining has a cloud. And again, it, it does it does amaze me with a sort of... The timing. Uh, a, a perverse glee, but uh, American owners, uh, who are supposed to be the master, the country that mastered PR and all that, 
Why have they decided to uh, withdraw the associate directorship held by Arab Trust? It's a strange move. I mean, I was just saying it's strange with the timing, obviously, with things that are happening across across the road. Dundee fans are wanting representation at board level. Uh, and United had that with it with Arab Trust, and, and United just decide it's not happening anymore. Apparently, it's an, an, antiquated. Uh, I know, I couldn't say that. Then. And a symbolic gesture that no longer has any great merit or relevance. Well, yeah. I would suggest that. Using their... Uh, yeah, if it's symbolic, then it's a useful symbol, I would say, at the very least. Ah, yeah. I don't think it was anything else. I remember um, when Eddie Thompson took over United, he, 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 and I spoke to him about this, he brought on people on board, people who were opposed to him taking over the club. And he would have brought on more if they'd have been willing to go on board. <laughs> right. And he, and A said to me, it was in, it's about being inclusive. Just because they don't agree with me doesn't mean they're not part of what Dundee United should be. And B, he's, he'd said off the right, well, you want to keep these people closer. You want to find out what yeah. they're thinking and what they know. And, and, and the fact about, I'm, I, and I'm not, uh, uh, I'm not being nasty or dismissive about Arab Trust because over the years it's done a lot of good for United, for United fans and for the community. But if I'm being brutally honest, them sitting on the board and raising objections or even agreeing with what whoever the owner at the time was, wasn't was irrelevant because the owners did what they wanted to do. Hmm. But it was a nice gesture to have them there. Yeah. And and it's they don't have the shares that, that are going to tip any decision or, or, or block any decision. So what's the problem having them in the room? And what's the problem when you're asking people from a local community to pay money every fortnight during the season to come and see you? What's the problem of having, instead of relying on dodgy journalists like I was and you two still are, what's the, what's the problem with letting your fans know what's going on via supporters' organisations? I don't. I don't understand. I don't. I don't no. understand. I mean, uh, I don't understand either. I th I it's think a nice symbol. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It's a. It's a strange one, and I think there's more to it than than meets the eye. Probably. Uh, I, I don't. I can't say that. I don't. I, I, I don't. I don't know. We we're not privy to what goes on. No. Right? Well, big time behind the scenes. As I say, I think there's probably more to this than we're, we're finding out about. But you know, Arab Trust are a long time associate of Dundee United, yeah. and so, it always annoyed me Arab Trust because, the, like. Because the way they did their name, you know, the, the oh. trusts always get uppercase and that's yeah. it. that was always a nightmare in the newspaper because somebody would get it wrong and put Arab uppercase and leave yeah. the trust lowercase. And, um, but <laughs> other than that, they're a name that are, are well associated long time mm. with Dundee United. So why, why sort of, you know... Well, they, they called it re regressive and yeah. that, that's what it feels like. And just to, just to develop a point there, that one of the things that used to, uh, it used to amuse me and frustrate me at the same time about United particularly when the fans and the, the whoever was in control at that time were uh, battling, they've always used too many words. <laughs> United, the fans couldn't just go, we're not happy. And the board couldn't yeah. just go, you should be happy. It's yeah. all things like symbolic gesture, merit or relevant. And on the other side, regressive. 
<laughs> I mean, just say you're happy or unhappy. It used to be a nightmare, yeah. especially especially writing for a, a tabloid size paper like the Tilly. Anytime they all, anytime you got a statement from both sides, you needed an extra page in the paper. <laughs> It had to be whittled in quickly, Tom. If I can get the relevance of it all, you've got space for about 30 or 40 words and they've sent it about mm. 5,000. Th they'd send it two minutes before deadline. Yeah. You're in a rush, you'd miss a bit out and then the next thing, whatever bit, whatever bit you missed out, that cyber immediately had a conspiracy theory. If you're no happy, just say I'm no happy. That's my, that's my advice yeah. to everyone. And as George said, you want everyone round the table. Everybody mm -hmm. is aware. The fans, group, the fans group, talk. The fans groups should be aware mm -hmm. who the owners are at the club, and ultimately it'll be them who decide which way the club goes. But the fans have got to have an input, and the owners are aware of that as well. But it's good to have everybody on board and, and you know discussing things. I, I don't think it's good to alienate any sort of fans group because no. that's where unrest happens. No. Well, if you were like a supermarket or something like that, and you said to you. you you, you want, want to know what your you customers want. You want to know what your customers yeah, yeah. want, and you exactly. said, "Could you come to a meeting?" And the, the, the customers are super like, "No." <laughs> and football, football clubs and sports clubs in general have got this thing where the fans want to be involved, and they want yeah. to know, and they want to hear it from the horse's mouth, and they suddenly go, oh, "No, we don't want to know what our customers want." And I understand. A lot of the time, they've got to turn around and say, "Sorry, we can't do that. It's a business, hmm. and it's difficult." But. Why don't you? Why don't you want to know? Why don't don't you want to hear what the fans are thinking? Because you can avoid a lot. Of, you can avoid a lot of strife, or at least keep it behind closed doors and sort things out before, mm. like you've yeah. got it done. Just it becomes a exactly. great big public debate. Yeah. I just don't understand why they push the fans away like that. We're all dumbstruck. We are, we're dumbstruck because, you know, the, the two go hand in hand, the owners and the fans, so... Um, yeah. I, mean, I suppose it's worth remembering as well, at both clubs, when we're talking about the fans, you, you hit on this beer, we can never forget that the majority is the silent majority. The yeah. majority of people turn up, on, mm. turn up for games have their few pints, watch the game, go home, read the paper or read online these days what's happening and don't ever go to a supporters meeting or anything like that. But it's but it's still useful to try to find yeah. out what punters well, are Well, it, it is, and, and they, should be, they should be doing more of that and trying to find out, you know, get these get these people involved. Although a lot of them don't, you know, like a few of my friends, they're not into, as you say, Tom, they want to go along on a Saturday. They want to see their team winning on a Saturday. They want to be coming out of dens with a smile on their face. What goes on behind the scenes doesn't bother them. One iota. I've got to say, you know, one of the best things about retirement is, and I, I barely go, but I'm watching, switch on it a minute before kick-off and switch off a minute after the full-time whistle. And you don't need to spend your whole week sort of doing this, because everybody's got their own interests. And I'm not having to go at the people that mill over accounts and stuff. It was part of the job and all that and finding on what's finding out what's going on about the scenes. But as a fan, my thing was always the game mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. only the game. And I, I I don't care if they're spending the bank's money or their own money as long as they keep spending it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, exactly. Exactly. But there are, there are a majority, well, maybe not a majority, but there are many, many fans who are in that very boat term where, you know, they're just, they're not involved in a fans group. Um, they just want to watch the game and, and you know enjoy it on a Saturday and, and get on with it. But we should be trying to gauge their views as well. I think it came to like more and more when Dundee were 
went into administration. Yeah. And the, when the buckets There's times when you can need them. Yeah. And, and these fans who aren't in the fans groups and, and you know, aren't involved in mm. any sort of associations go into their, into their wallet and pull a tenner out and stick it in the bucket and say, this is my club. I wanted to survive one way or another. Yeah. And maybe a warning to both uh, American owners at Dens and Tanadice. This is a city where I've seen people with a lot, lot closer relationship than fans have with their club where they say, well, you didn't want to know me when things were going well. So now things are going bad. Don't come again. Because mm -hmm. it, it, there is that attitude in this area mm -hmm. and it's one that I share. But anyway, judging by producer Morvin's uh, bored look, <laughs> we're already running over. So it's time to move on. Right, chaps. It's time for you to speak about Scotland because I have to, I have to own up. Because you were watching Kuwait last night. Well, well, that, that, well, I wasn't watching Kuwait, but I had to work out on the red button that when it said Kuwait, it actually meant Poland. <laughs> Who knew? But even I have to admit, even last week, and it, as much as I love them, it was great TV. I watched Italy, North Macedonia last week, and not Scotland, Poland, and art. Oh, even though I wanted Italy to get to the World Cup, because I love the big teams being in the World Cup, I did laugh out loud when North Macedonia <laughs> scored with one of their three shots in the, the, the 95 minutes. But you two watched Scotland. Two, two good results, but both could have been better. Yeah, that, I, I didn't see the Scotland game. The Poland game, I was out, but... By all accounts, by yeah, the, the by a bad referee decision. If that's going to happen, let it happen in a friendly. So we should have won that game. And Poland are a good side, although Lewandowski obviously wasn't there. Um, watched all the game, uh, the Austria game, and I was really encouraged with probably what sixty minutes, seventy minutes were 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 excellent. The second goal we scored is one of the best Scotland goals I've ever seen. I think if you, it's it was a great team goal. It was, it was absolutely top class football and it was played in a Scotland shirt it was very strange for me to see but then we kind of fell apart after all the subs came on and Austria were good in the second half and came back and I don't think Austria are a very good side especially with David Alaba not playing um, so it ended in a disappointing fashion but we're unbeaten in what eight, yeah, nine eight, eight games I think it is yeah which is pretty good uh, obviously we have to wait and see what when the playoff might happen, but I think we're in we're in a really good place. I think we're building quite nicely, um, and John McGinn keeps scoring goals. To counter George's optimism, there <laughs> as I watched Poland uh, beat Sweden and deservedly so, incidentally, um, I had my phone on, and what struck me about the Scotland game was every every second comment was we're playing really well with the ball, but. We're looking even even when it was nil nil one nil two nil, mm -hmm. you had people like Willie Miller's comments flashing on your screen saying, "Steve Clark's not going to be fooled by this. We need to defend a lot better." Mm -hmm. And so it proved because they lost two goals in the last twenty odd minutes or whatever. If Scotland, by beating Ukraine or because that game can't go ahead, are going to get to the World Cup, it's going to take a strong defensive performance in Wales, isn't it? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I'm sure Steve Clark will have that, have that sorted. And you know, I think Wales are a, are a decent side with one absolute world star on their side who can win a game on his own. Gareth Bale. And I think Steve Clark is aware of that, and they'll do a job on him if they, if they, if they do 
you know, if they can find a way through to, to play Wales in, in that final. Um, as for the, the friendlies, um, yes, you can see Steve Clark's disappointment uh, with, the, with the first one, you know, the, the penalty kick that never was. Um, I'm not sure, why Why don't they, they have VAR at friendlies? Is it too... Not Cheap yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. So if it had if been yeah. an actual game, it would have, yeah. VAR would have been there. I think so. Um, the, the game last night... Uh, it was a, I'll tell you, it was a, it was a right good game for a friendly. We're talking about it a competitive edge, but I went, I went ping pong back and forward. And what you've got to say was, I mean, there's a case for making Craig Gordon the man of the match for Scotland last night. Even when mm, they were yeah, two nothing up, he still could have been man of the match for Scotland because he pulled off, you know, a, a yeah. half a dozen outstanding saves. I think George is right. I think, I think Scotland going and win the game if it is. If it is, you know, it has got the competitive edge. I don't see Steve Clark pulling off Andy Robertson after 65 minutes. Yeah. And there was, I think he made about four or five substitutions at that point in time. Yeah. There were good players that come around, but when you do that, you upset the, the rhythm of the team yeah. and it fragments a wee bit. But fair play to Austria, you know, they the, the fought their way back. And over the piece, I think it was probably a deserved, a deserved result uh, from their point of view. I'm glad Scotland didn't lose the game because from a morale point of view it's good it's good that we keep this sort of run going but as I say when it, when it gets down to the nitty gritty Steve Clark will have in his mind you know that we can't certainly be as open as we were against Austria when we, when we come to play either Ukraine or Wales because we could we could end up you know yeah. missing out so there will be Wales incidentally who are only one game away from a World Cup final yes that World Cup final World Cup finals. <laughs> World Cup finals. Actually, just going back to George's George's point, he hasn't seen a better goal than that. George, I take you weren't alive in 1978. No, I wasn't. When when Archie Gemmell weaved his way through I've, the entire I've seen that. team. I didn't see it live, obviously. Before no. clipping over the goalkeeper beautifully <laughs> and one of the best. To we, put, were, we were a, a goal away from you know. I was going to say I to put Scotland a goal away from qualifying. <laughs> so what did Holland do? Exactly. Kicked off, gave it to Johnny Rep, 40 yards, yeah. top Whistler. top corner. No, you're no. I know, I know. The, the, the moment was killed. The moment was killed almost instantly. But uh, yeah, it was a good, good two games for Scotland. Obviously, disappointing circumstances that it wasn't the games we thought we would be playing. Fingers crossed that we, we do get this game against Ukraine. Yeah. In June, that's what you want. You want. No, I want it in August, September. <laughs> I want Gareth Bale and well, Aaron Ramsey to be on their holidays for another five months instead of yeah, two months. Yeah, I mean, I think Gareth Bale. I mean, I think I don't think he's the player he was five, six years ago, and, and no player probably is, but he still has it in Picks him. His moments has yeah. it in him to produce something of for the Wales, highest sorry. quality, certainly, and he. I think he still harbours national pride. Uh, oh, you know, you can see that he wants to, to take that team to well, the World the, Cup. Right, well, there's talk of him being the first ever player to retire from club football so he can concentrate on his right, international okay, football. <laughs> I've never seen. To, I, I I've never seen a situation like that. I know. Where, and and I think I mean t there was stuff written about him last week that was way way. People should remember. Yeah. I think Real Madrid haven't handled him very well. No. And I understand yeah. his disaffection with Real Madrid, uh, given what he achieved in the first part of his career yeah. there. But to be in the huff with Real Madrid for basically, I think it's four years now, yeah. is, is a bit long. He should have he should have moved on. There's fault on both sides, but a wee bit of, wee bit of calm about I mean, calling him a parasite yeah, and no. stuff like that. Well, they yeah. offered the contract exactly. and he signed it. Uh, I, I think, I sort of think he'll look back one day on his career and think, you know what, I should have just left. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I should have said, no, I'm not playing for you anymore. 
even if you walked out and said, look, give me the transfer, it's not, not worked here. But but they've blocked a transfer or two as well. Yeah. Don't, don't forget. So there's no there's nobody without blame here, but but they've gone in Spain and some of the English papers as well have gone way overboard. Nah. Uh, with their criticism of both sides. It's been an unfortunate situation that I think both parties could have handled. But hopefully it goes on for a while yet. Yes, <laughs> of course I would hate I would hate to see what he's like when he's playing every week. Yeah. Mm. He's a sensational player, and as, I, as I've touched on, he can win a game single-handedly. But when, if it does come to the current Scotland against Wales, I'm sure Steve Clark will have a plan for Gareth Bale, and it's probably just to keep him as far away as possible from, from the goal. I think that's yeah, a secret. And if Scotland and go to Wales... Don't give away any free kicks. Yeah. Yeah. If Scotland go to Wales on the back of an eight or nine match unbeaten oh, run, yeah. they're not going to be without confidence. No. They've, they've shown they can get results... The draw at Wembley, the, the one competitively in Austria, and, and they're good at not losing Scotland. Mm. And that puts pressure. And also, Wales, Wales go on about Cardiff, and it's a great atmosphere and it's brilliant. But you're talking about it would be the first time in history Scotland fans didn't find a way of being at a game in big numbers when that game really mattered. So yeah. it'll be a wee bit different for them too. And and in fairness, it was maybe not just Wales. It was uh, 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 it struck me uh, when they beat Austria last week. Everybody was just saying, "Ah, oh, and it's another party coming." And they were the Wales were tempering that wee bit. And the managers, have a lot of time for the manager. I think he's very calm and very down, but. I'm sure it's crossed his mind. It didn't look great after that game that Scotland and Ukraine were sitting there thinking, oh, you think you're through already? I, yeah, you I, that's it's given them a wee yeah, edge. It's given them, yeah. a, you know, a chip on their shoulder to fight for. No, I, I've noticed that as well. And a lot of the, I listen to podcasts and stuff with journalists from down south and there's a lot of the assumptions that the Wales will be great to Scotland. see Bale at the yeah, World Cup. Exactly. He deserves it and everything like that. Well, yeah, it's still an 11-man game. And it, yeah. like you say... If I think we've got a good chance. I am not... I'm not betting the house on Scotland <laughs> are, are playing Wales. I would make Wales favourite, but it's not as cut and dry no. uh, as a lot of people are making out. No, I, absolutely not. I mean, if Scotland are going there on the back of it, an unbeaten run of 10, 11 games by the time they get there, whenever this game comes in. When are they talking about playing that? They're talking June, about June. June as well. That's why quite. I think realistically, I've got a funny feeling FIFA will say if Ukraine tragically can't put a team together in June, I'll say, well, I think FIFA will use the fact that the Welsh, Wales against Scotland or Ukraine is in the calendar now. Mm -hmm. And I think they'll say, well, sorry, you'll need to, mm. you'll, you'll need to scratch and it'll be Scotland who play. I, th I do think it will, Wales will be playing in June and they'll know who's in the World Cup. Yeah, well, the great thing is we're in the draw and that takes place this week, does it not? I think yeah. in Qatar, so we'll be in... It's been a while. Yeah, we'll be in one, <laughs> yeah. we'll one of the groups as yeah. a provisional. <laughs> yeah. Be right. We'll uh, take it. I, I smell you've got already booked a smoker this yeah. weekend and celebrate. It, could be, it yep. could be. You can see it now. Scotland, Brazil. Every, yeah. every, every prize West is worth celebrating. Germany. Uh, well, we'll all be singing Kesar after that. We're playing Brazil, <laughs> even though even though there's a fair chance we won't be. Anyway, great stuff, boys. That's all we've got time for this week. Thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it, or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. 
All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the Tele Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tanadice or go to the telly.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door. <laughs>